Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? This end in along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orbit down in front of shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10 08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five! I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I am happy to be joined by John Press. How you doing, John? Uh, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been it's been a long time since uh, we've had an episode of the show. Uh, I think there's only been really a handful since you and I spoke about six months ago, so we've got quite oh. a lot of hockey to catch up on. Uh, do we? <laughs> well, I, I mean, guess we do. I mean, we could talk about the World Cup instead if you'd prefer, or Star Wars, or really tons of things have gone on in the in the in the broad world but i mean maybe our listeners want to hear about about hockey and maybe ovechkin and what he's doing this year yeah yeah i could see that (laughs) um let's start just by talking about the washington capitals who are sixth place in the metropolitan division uh we are recording this on november 30th as of right now they're sitting on about a 479 point percentage uh they have a negative goal differential and you know it's it's really they they've been tough to watch at times this year because it feels like the offense can't get going. I mean, I, I definitely want us to talk about goaltending and kind of how you think the new guys have fared. But let's first just talk about the team, where they are in the standings, and and what you kind of feel like they've been lacking from an offensive perspective. Yeah, well, uh, you know, obviously coming into this season, uh, the big story was uh, going to be, can they survive the injuries that hit them? And uh, at that point, we were talking about uh, like Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson and maybe Carl Hagelin, you know. And uh, since then, it, the injuries have only gotten worse. None, none of those guys are back and they've had massive injuries, you know, lost Car- Connor Brown for the season a few games in. Uh, Orlov's missed probably half the games by now. Carlson missed a big handful of games. TJ Oshie's missed a ton of games. Um, there are probably other guys that I'm not even remembering right now who've missed a bunch of games, but, uh, Connor McMichael missed a bunch of games, which with, which, <laughs> with what I can only assume was an injury. Cause why else wouldn't he be playing? Uh, no, but I mean, the, the, and so the, the question was, could they survive that? And, you know, I thought that if they just kind of could tread water, uh, and then get 
uh, healthy and go on a little bit of a run, they'd probably be able to sneak into the playoffs. Um, you know, they've arguably been able to tread water. They're, you know, one game under NHL 500. I think they're 10, 11, and three. Um, but, um, you know, they, they've got uh, a hill to climb. And uh, everybody points to American Thanksgiving, which I refer to as Thanksgiving, um, as, as a point where if you're not in the playoff, in playoff position, then you're kind of digging yourself a, a big hole. And uh, since I think uh, 2004-05, roughly three quarters of the teams that make the playoffs did it in uh, were in playoff position at Thanksgiving. So uh, the Caps were not, and they weren't particularly close to it. Um, so you know, I, I think they're in a lot of trouble. To to be completely honest, uh, you know, it's not so much the points they have to make up, but they also have to. Uh, climb a bunch of teams uh, to get back in this thing. I, I was looking at it, and you know, last year the playoff, the cutoff for the playoffs in the East was eighty, only eighty-five points because it was so top-heavy. The top eight, you know, the Caps made it in as the eight seed with a hundred points. Um, that's not a particular. That's not the the norm. The norm is you know around ninety-three points or so, which is coincidentally the exact pace that the uh, second wild card team is on right now um to go to get to 93 points the caps would have to have a 603 points percentage the rest of the way which is something like going 32 20 and 6 you know and frankly i haven't seen anything that shows me that this team can do that and uh, certainly not if they don't get real healthy, real fast, you know, there, there are moments where they look like a good competitive team, but, you know, overall expecting them, uh, to, to win, you know, 32 out of 58 games, the rest of the way seems like a bit of a tall order. And then you have to consider that they would have to, uh, pass Montreal, Florida, the Rangers, the Penguins, uh, you know, Detroit or the Islanders, if one of those teams fall out of playoff position, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a tall task ahead of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's some good things going in their favor. They, they have played the hardest schedule in the East so far. And, uh, the, the rest of the season, their schedule is actually the second easiest in hockey behind, uh, Calgary, I think. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some reason to not quite, can you know uh stick a fork in these guys yet but it's getting real late real early and uh they're they're in for it so uh i don't know i that probably doesn't answer your question but that's kind of my state of where they are and, and what's going on right now and it's really been uh, a combination of a bunch of things you know you can't point to i mean obviously the offense hasn't um, done what you would like it to do. The the power play has been largely terrible. The five on five offense has been about average, a little below average, and their finishing uh, luck, their shooting percentage has been uh, a bit below average. Uh, so the offense hasn't been there this year, but obviously there's the injuries. Uh, there's some coaching decisions that uh, I think are, are fair to question so far. So it's kind of been a perfect storm of shit so far. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Alex Ovechkin 
doing historic things on a nearly nightly basis. Uh, I agree. This team would be kind of hard to watch right now. And, uh, you know, luckily we do have Ovechkin to watch to uh, keep our interest, but uh, their competitiveness is, uh, seems to be waning a little bit. You know, you talk about how they have to make up for the injuries, and, and it was kind of a similar thing at the beginning of last year for the this Capitals team. And I think we saw Kuznetsov and Ovechkin um, both put up kind of out-of-this-world numbers at the start of the year. Uh, they did cool off a lot in the second half, but they were able to kind of keep that team treading water, to keep them, as you know, use, yep. using your words. The, the team was in a good spot as these guys got healthy and, you know, Backstrom obviously never got back to full health. Um, so it wasn't, we never really quite got to see the Capitals as we wanted to see them last year, but they, they've been good and productive this year, but they're not quite carrying as much water as they did last year. Um, and I think that's part of the reason you see the Capitals right now. They're 26th in the league in goals per game. Um, you know, what is is there anything, I mean, you, you said you don't think it's it's all offense, but but what kind of, if you had to talk about kind of offense, defense, and goaltending, you know, what, what's really fallen off year over year to lead to this team being 26th? Or, and well, put coaching in there too. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not goaltending um, because the goaltending has been better than it was last year. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can point to individual goals and individual games that, um Kemper and Lindgren may not have been at their best, but on whole, um, I think they're doing exactly what's been asked of them, if not more. Um, defensively, you know, they've lost their arguably their best defenseman or love for uh, what, what's probably half the year at this point, right? Uh, I mean, he's played I think 13 games, and they have to, they've played 24, so you know that's a, that's basically half the year he's missed so far. Um, and then, you know, John Carlson uh, mitch, missed uh, six games. So that's a quarter of the year. So and those overlap, too. So, you know, but then it, with, with the defenseman you do have, you go out and you put John Carlson with Eric Gustafson on your top defensive pairing. And uh, that's just not a great combination. And it doesn't take uh, some stat nerd to tell you that those two uh, more offensive minded uh, skaters are, are going to possibly have a little trouble defending in their own zone. And they have, and uh, you know, the team leaks shots and scoring chances when they're on. So, you know, I, I think there's some fingers to point at the defense. Uh, I think that we're still trying to figure out whether Martin Faravari is the guy we saw at the beginning of last year that looked very competent or the guy that we saw for the rest of last year and so far this year, which uh, hasn't been as good. You know, maybe it's a little bit of a too much too soon for the guy, probably, uh, and not bringing him along uh, at the right pace. But, uh, you know, he hasn't been uh, great. And, and I don't think anybody back there has been particularly great. But, but it, you know, they're not getting the goals. Last year, you know, you mentioned Ovechkin and Kuznetsov carrying the team through the tough times. They also had... Uh, a lot of rookies stepping up last year. Remember, they had, you know, uh, McMichael, uh, Protus, Brett Leeson scored a couple goals. You know, guys guys were stepping up, it seemed. And this year, 
it seems like there's less of guys really stepping up. Uh, you know, Connor Sherry has, has done it a couple times. Every once in a while, you'll see a flash from Marcus uh, Johansson or something. But, um, you know, in general, you haven't seen a lot of it. I, I really like Dylan Strom and what he's brought to the team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you'd probably like to see a little more from Anthony Mantha. You'd like to see... Uh, a little bit more from Lars Eller, you know, the guys who uh, you need to lean on during uh, these, these harder times. Uh, and they're just not um, really getting that. And part of that's uh, just puck luck. And part of it is uh, a, a team that is having trouble uh, in base, basically all over the ice. Um, and, you know, if not for good goaltending, uh we'd be burying him already, I think. Now, you know, you talk about Anthony Mantha. He he obviously scored against Vancouver. Um, but it, overall, he's just... I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Mantha? I think the Cap, Capitals fans are, are really... At least I, I've really started to hear what we heard from people in Detroit, the his naysayers in Detroit, about how he just disappears for significant stretches. Um... <laughs> You know, I, I think that I can see some of that, uh, to be honest. I, I think it's important um, not to sort of conflate um, what I think is a big misconception uh, about the guy and that because he's so big, people ex- assume that he's going to be a physical force out there and, you know, go out there and bang like Tom Wilson does. But that's not his game. And, uh, you know, we've seen it forever uh, where – uh, bigger guys who don't hit get uh, just the wrath of the fans. So I think there's some of that going on. But, you know, I think there are also legitimate um, concerns about his uh, productivity and, you know, maybe his engagement. But, the you know, the team, uh, Luke had a good piece on our site the other day that everybody should look at. Um, the team's better with him on the ice. Uh, they haven't necessarily gotten the goals to show for it, but, uh, offensively and defensively, um, they're, they're winning, uh, possession battles and expected goal battles when Mantha's on the ice at fives. And, you know, part of that is context. He's not necessarily going up against the opponent's best team, best, uh, forwards. And certainly they're not putting out their top defensemen to mark him. Um, but it, yeah, I, I think he's, a guy who you'd like to see a bit more production from. I mean, I don't know what's realistic right now. He's got, I think six goals in 24 games. Uh, that's a 20 goal pace. Um, if he had seven goals, he'd be on a 28 game pay, 28 goal pace. And uh, would anybody be upset with Anthony Mantha on, you know, just under a 30 goal pace? Uh, I think that's kind of what you would hope for. Right. Uh, and so, I think we we should be uh, realistic in the expectations there, especially in the context of a team that doesn't create offense. You know, like, yes, Anthony Mantha is part of the reason, uh, but he's also um, a, a, um, you know, it's also impacting his ability. So it, it, it does, it does get kind of circular on itself. Um, But when you're playing him out there with, uh, other guys uh, who aren't uh, producing, you know, it's it's tough to expect 
him to be um, that big a driver of offense by himself. I don't think that's his game. Yeah, and, and I think he gets a bit of a uh, unfair rap just because he was, uh, you know, obviously traded for, for Jacob Vrana, um, who was well like He was? Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, his... I think it, it's easy to see Mantha as the big hulking body. And when you think about Vrana, you think about speed and dynamic offense, the type of stuff that, you know, the, a guy that could create his own offense, you know, right. you give, and um, the Capitals don't have a lot of that now. Um, so kind of Vrana being part of the substance abuse program in the NHL aside, uh, I mean, it feels like the Capitals arguably need someone more with that skill set than a guy with Mantha's skill set right now. At least, at least that's how I feel. I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, I mean, sure. Uh, obviously, they could use somebody who could create more offense. We wouldn't be here, uh, you know, talking about it, the problems if if it wasn't. But you know, it it, it is what it is. He's the guy that uh, they liked and they wanted, uh, and he's here. Let me ask you a question. If you could right now have Vrana or Burakovsky back, who are you taking? Uh, just for on the ice stuff? Or are we talking about, you know... It's, you just take them back. I, I think you got to be really worried about Vrana's... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about... I don't know what his status is on the, on yeah. the substance abuse stuff. And he's also coming off a pretty significant injury. So if I could have one, I guess I would take Burakovsky. But uh, I do think Vrana does a better job like, taking all that all off the ice stuff out of it i'd probably take verona but i think burkowski's made a good accord of himself on uh sure on the kraken and you know he's uh two-time stanley cup champion he's got that winning pedigree yeah i think uh i think the caps play him thursday night which will be tonight if you're listening to this when it drops right yeah he's uh he's i i'm very happy for him and the explosive Kraken offense was is currently third in the NHL in goals per game. We'll talk about a year over year improvement for that club. Yeah, um, how about it? Seven oh five points percentage. So John, let's let's talk a bit about coaching. Uh Laviolette's been here a while now. Uh he he, he was brought in to right the ship. Um d- did not necessarily come in, in the most favorable of circumstances. The Capitals have still not won a playoff series since Barry Trotz left. Um, I think based upon what what you've been saying, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly don't feel differently. I, I do not believe this will be the first year that the Capitals do win another playoff round uh, since Barry Trotz's departure. What's what's the lifeline looking like for Laviolette? Well, first of all, I think that we would have said this doesn't look like the year they're going to uh, start winning uh, playoff series um, in 2018. Uh, you know, if we were sitting there uh, in on December 1st, 2017, we'd probably be asking the same question. You yeah. know, what, what's you know, Barry Trotz is a lame duck. Uh, this team seems to be kind of floundering. What's the deal? Um now this team isn't that team, and uh, I, I certainly wouldn't uh, expect uh, a similar result. But um, if you're asking, will they fire Laviolette? I I can't see it. Um, you know, you basic you don't usually fire a guy when you have a absolute mountain of injuries. You know, yeah. and uh, he, obviously those aren't his fault. 
I, I don't think that Scotty Bowman and Toe Blake sitting on the Caps bench uh, would make this team uh, a hell of a lot better right now, to be completely honest. Uh, this team right now, this roster, I mean, this roster healthy has uh, a little bit of uh, a, a lack of talent, um, you know, top end talent and uh, so certainly when this team's depleted, it's, uh, that's, uh, even more evident. So, you know, to me, this isn't, uh, you don't gas a guy for what they've done so far. I mean, like we said, they're one game under NHL 500, despite not, uh, you know, despite having the most injuries, uh, in the league, the most injuries, you know, the, when you look at the guys that do the the Twitter feeds of injuries and the salary of the guys that have been injured and the expected uh, standings points from the guys that have been injured. The caps are by far uh, the most hammered team in the league. Uh, so to me, that's not why it, that's not a time when you gas a dude. Um, and uh, you know, the, the only way I would see it is if you had a, a clear better option uh, or a clear um, other option that you wanted to try out and uh, give uh, a test run to for three quarters of a season. And, you know, I, I don't know that I see either of those things um, out there. You know, I mean, do you bring in Spencer Carberry or uh, to, try to coach the last three quarters of the year and see if you think he's an NHL coach. I mean, there are worse ideas, but, uh, I don't know that, uh, the, the way that this front office operates, um, I would be surprised to see them, uh, do anything with Laviolette barring a, you know, some sort of complete locker room revolt or something, you know? Yeah, no, I wouldn't expect to see anything in season, uh, pretty much regardless. I think I'm more curious to see what the future holds with that kind of relationship. Um, oh, I think he's probably, I think they probably go their separate ways after this year. It, you know, it's, it's hard to see them. Um, it, it, it's hard to envision a scenario in which that isn't uh, the case. Right. I mean, he's been fine. He's been yeah. maybe, even good, but he hasn't won in the playoffs, which is uh, a little unfair to be the, uh, such a huge basis of um, evaluation, but it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, he's not, uh, he's, you know, coaches have shelf lives. We, we said it when they moved on from uh, Barry Trotz, like, you know, if you gave Barry Trotz four years, Within a year or two, I guarantee it would have been ugly. Uh, you know, it, the good vibes and all, it would have ended not well and not it, not too long after that. So, um, you know, uh, I, I think that they're, they're probably um, ready to go their own ways, barring something unforeseen. So... You wouldn't bring Barry back? Is that what you're telling me? Um, no, I, I don't think I would, no. I'm not interested in that. 
you know, I, I, I think Barry is, uh, there's just always appeal for nostalgia, right? I mean, look, you get Alexander Semin out of retirement, and I think this team is really cracking, so. Oh, God. <laughs> um, John, I, 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 I want to get your take on, I mean, God, I, I feel like every time we're on, it's, it's far enough in between that Ovechkin's done some more miraculous milestone things. Uh, the, the key one last night being that he has now surpassed Wayne Gretzky for the most ever away goals in NHL history. Um, you know, he's he's looking like he's going to do this thing and, and catch Gretzky if he doesn't get a serious injury. I mean, is that what you're tuning in for every night? Is it to watch Ovechkin on his quest? Um. Yes, uh, but uh, I'm still very invested and interested in this team and uh, what they're doing and where they're going. But, uh, you know, I think we'd all be lying if we said that Alex Ovechkin doesn't make this team infinitely more interesting and watchable. Um, Becca noted uh, on the site in the new number that uh, there, there are only 12 active players uh, other than Ovechkin who've scored as many goals in their entire career as Ovechkin has scored on the ro- road. Wow. So if Ovi had never played a home game in his career, he'd be the 13th leading goal scorer among active players. That's pretty crazy. That's, uh, that's crazy. I mean, it's a, he's a dude who's always put on a show for fans on the road, uh, for fans at home. Uh, I went to my first game in forever against the Flyers the night before Thanksgiving, uh, and he scored one. And it's just as electric as it was in 2005. It's uh, it's just incredible uh, watching him do it, the joy he takes in doing it. Uh, you, you run out of superlatives uh, every night. It's a new uh, milestone, uh, it seems. And, you know. It, he also last night I think I saw he tied uh Yarmer Yager for the most first goals, you know, most uh opening goals in a game. You know, it, it just like most everything he's climbing to the top of those lists and uh you know, adjusted for era and he's already by far the best goal scorer this uh game's ever seen. So, uh, I don't think we should feel at all guilty about um just enjoying it and uh, savoring every minute of it, regardless of how shitty the team might be. You know, I, I don't think people always put the sort of, would you rather the caps win another cup or Ovi break the record or, you know, are they going for it to make, be a good team or are they trying to just get over the record? And I've never really sort of understood what those look like, like the two different things. Like this team is good when Ovi scores and this team uh, is, is bad when he's not scoring. I don't understand the, the world in which they would be a more competitive team with him scoring fewer goals. Uh, it just, uh, or the, the world in which uh, they're, he's they're trying to feed him goals and it doesn't result in them winning really, you know? So I don't know that when, when it's all said and done, you know, you're going to look at this dude and also realize that he played eight years of his career under, uh, 
Barry Trotz, notorious defensive-minded coach, and Laviolette, a pretty defensive-minded coach, if you think about it. And and then another few with uh, Todd Reardon and Adam Oates. Uh, just, I mean, he's done it dis- sometimes despite uh, the coaches uh, around him. Uh, it, it seems like sometimes the only people that can stop uh, Alex Ovechkin from scoring are his coaches, sort of like the old... Uh, uh, Dean Smith, Michael Jordan quote, but anyway. So, so you, you brought up a, a, a good point and I think we actually talked about it on this podcast a couple of years ago, you know, the, would you rather another cup or, or an Ove- or Ovechkin catching Gretzky? I think now the question, and maybe it is something the front office actually has to think about is, do you keep a competitive team together to, to make it so Ovechkin can catch Gretzky or do you, tear this thing down i mean yeah they've had all these injuries but the guys that are injured except for tom wilson are older players i mean Mm -hmm. you know i guess you could say the same thing for orloff but in general these are guys that are in the back halves of their career um you know oshi's been injured a lot we talked on air at length about kind of how injuries would likely be a big part of the tail end of his contract um you know is the, you know, if Ovechkin's, I, I think if Ovechkin wasn't on this team and they weren't trying to catch it, I think the best thing to make this team competitive again, a real contender again, would probably be to tear it down. I'm not saying they should do that um, because I think there are, you know, the Ovechkin thing is the kind of the center of this franchise right now. But, um, you know, where do you stand on that? I mean, if your goal was to make this team competitive in two years, and Ovechkin wasn't a part of that, you know, or he wasn't playing here. Would you be, I mean, are, are there core building blocks left on this team? Uh, you know, it, it's a tough question because um, when you talk about tearing it down, um, you, you really are talking, the, guy, the only guys they're committed to uh, in the long term are those older building block, uh, you know, foundational dudes that they, they talked about. I mean, you look at their defense, right? Uh, do you know which caps defensemen are signed through next season? John Carlson. That's it. Yeah. John Carlson, Jensen, Van Riemsdyk, Gustafson, Farivari, Alexeyev, Irwin, uh, all uh, and Orlov, all uh, free agents, you know? And so I I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I think that this is a team that's, that was uh, built sort of with this year, this upcoming year uh, being a uh, sort of possible transition point Uh, up front. You have Lars Eller unrestricted, probably gone. Hathaway, Sherry, you know, nice work that they've done for this team. But, you know, do you re-sign those guys in their 30s? Uh, you know, Marcus Johansson, same thing. Uh, Nicholas Obey-Cabell, who's apparently on the Capitals. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Sonny Milano. I'd bring back Sonny Milano and Dylan Strom, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there are a lot of pieces that they – could slash should sell off this year um, that won't impact uh, necessarily necessarily their ability to contend or not contend uh, in the near future. It it's the big 
sort of elephants in the room, you know, Kuznetsov's got two more years at 7.8. Do you move him? Do, 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 does anybody want him at that price? Uh, oh, she's 35 and makes five and three quarters million for two more years. I don't, I don't know that anybody's super interested in that, but maybe, I mean, they, they would probably, if Oshi could play healthy till the end yeah. of this, uh, there would be people lining up for him because he's exactly the kind of guy you want in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but he's, it's also hard to see them moving on from him. So, you know, obviously Carlson at $8 million for three more years, that would be a move that could potentially really help the Caps. To me, his game's fallen off a little bit this year, um, but he's also been hurt. The team hasn't been good. It, it's kind of hard to judge guys, uh, and he has for all his warts. Uh, he, he's been a value on this contract, uh, providing more than $8 million uh, of, of value per year. So, um you know, it's it's a tough question. I don't see them nuking the whole thing because I just don't know how they can. Like it would it would require taking real pennies on the dollar uh, for a lot of these dudes. Um, and you know, maybe it also matters uh, whether Nick Backstrom makes it back or not. You know, uh, whether he. Uh, takes one for the team or takes one for Nick or does who knows what. Um, I think there are a lot of balls in the air, but regardless of whether they, you know, quote unquote, tear it down, uh, this team probably looks a lot different next year, you know, um, especially on the blue line. I, I absolutely could see them moving uh, a Nick Jensen uh, for something at the deadline, you know, right-handed defenseman 32 makes two and a half million. He's been pretty solid for them, but uh, you know, he's got one more UFA contract left and I can't see the cap signing it. Uh, You know, he's going to want $4 million a year or something like that for four years. That's probably not something that the caps should do. Um, So there are guys like that up and down the roster and it it might be time to make some tough decisions on them. But uh, you know, I don't know that they make the tough decisions on sort of those pillars uh, because they still, they still need to sell tickets and they still, you know, uh, they still remember 2018, I guess. And uh, it's just hard. I mean, I'd be pretty heartbroken if they moved Oshi. Uh, that would suck. Um, but who knows? They're going to do what they're going to do. Um, Brian, uh, Brian McClellan's been uh, pretty cold-hearted uh, a deal maker at times in the past. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I wouldn't put anything past him, but it's, uh, you know, they're not going to leave Alex Ovechkin here to rot by himself with a bunch of shitty Hershey Bears or something. Yeah, and I think kind of the Darcy Kemper signing, I think kind of illustrated how McClellan is not planning on doing any sort of rebuild, right? Yeah, agreed. The, the Kemper signing was kind of like a, no, we're still here to compete. Grant, granted, with all these injuries, it's, it, it is tough to know exactly what the Capitals are as a fully healthy team. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, that, that this season, they have all those contracts expiring, as you said, next year, but this is the year 
to have a really high draft pick if possible, right? Connor Bedard is, is looking like another kind of special player. Uh, right. And, and if some of the Capitals uh, should hopefully not be in that conversation, but they, I think there's a good chance that they end up with one of those. Uh, what 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 does Michael Blake McCurdy call them? The, the the those worst draft picks, the one right after miss. You don't make the playoffs. Oh yeah. yeah, the yeah. Sadness index or whatever he calls. Yeah, them. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, that's where the Capitals are kind of are kind of trending. So. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. I think that if they were healthy, uh, they're probably uh, a fringe playoff team. Maybe they make it in, um, but. You know, certainly New Jersey Devils going on an all-time heater. Uh, I didn't. I probably before the season would have uh, said that the Caps were would be fighting in in the division for or in the conference for a playoff spot with New Jersey among other teams. But New Jersey is they've already punched their ticket. Basically, I mean they they could play 500 and uh, cruise into the playoffs at this point. So. Yeah, New Jersey is one that uh, fooled me. I think three years in a row, I thought it was their time. Um, I thought they had the roster to do it, and I think that course kind of finally aged up to where it needs to be. And of course, they just got an all-worldy goaltender all of a sudden. So yeah, well that helps. Yeah, <laughs> Vitek that helps. What a guy. Um, what a guy. What a guy. John, what else is jumping out for you for this team? I know there's a lot we kind of, you know. Don't want to make this podcast too long. Uh, there's about a million things we could talk about that have happened this year. But what are kind of the big issues that, that you think are going to be at the top of people's minds? Um, I guess, you know, it, it's when they sort of face reality of where they are this season and where they are uh, going forward. And, um, you know, it's too early to throw in the towel on this season, but, um, you know, by January 1st, it may not be by certainly by, uh, February 1st, it may not be. So, uh, it, it, it's important to watch, uh, them hopefully be, uh, realistic, uh, with, with their prospects, uh, going forward, uh, not just this season, but, uh, down the road. And, uh, it, you know, it certainly does look like, um, after a lot of, uh, premature, uh, shoveling dirt on the cap's grave, um, it looks like this could be the year that they, they don't make it in. And, um, you know, it's been certainly a hell of a run, uh, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, um, a wake up call to them or, or they can convince themselves that if they had just been healthy, they would have been right there. And once you get in, you never know what can happen. So. I think that's. So you talk about a wake up call. I think Brian McClellan has had a halo above his head since he came here. His moves largely have worked out well, at least in the immediate is it time for him to pay the piper? I'm not in terms of his job, but are we seeing kind of the constant go in for it mentality really take its toll on kind of the franchise? Are we seeing kind of the depleted coffers, the lack of great talented players down in Hershey? I mean, the Capitals really have what two, maybe three blue chip offensive guys that are within three or five years of, of really stepping up. Do they have that many? Uh, I'm counting the guy in Russia. I'm not going to try to. Oh, his right, name. right. 
Um, I think Hendricks Lapierre, people do seem to think that he really is going to be the real deal. Um, I'm not so sure on McMichael, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, who, who knows how he's going to do. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think first and foremost, everybody in the organization should always be held accountable uh, for the decisions and actions, uh, the decisions they make and the actions that they take. And uh, Brian McClellan isn't uh, exempt from that by any means. Um but I'm also never going to fault teams for going for it. Um, you know, the prospects are for poor people. The, the, <laughs> it's like you, you go for it. Uh, you take your, sh you shoot your shot and, uh, you know, you, you can win a cup when uh, everybody already has buried you. And it's not necessarily uh, the way that, it's not ideal for planning for the future, but um, at the same time, you know, if you're an NHL GM, you're not planning for somebody else's future. You're planning for your future. So you need uh, results now. Uh, it's not how I, I invest for my retirement, but, uh, you know, it, it for the, an NHL team, uh, yeah, for the most part, I don't have any problem with going for it if you're realistic about what it is they they haven't traded a ton of uh of players i'm super regretful for and the 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 more the most regretful i, I am is probably for them trading siegenthaler which is you know one that nine out of ten fans probably forget about entirely so you know that's a dude who would look great on the caps blue line Fantastic. right now but um you know, I, it, it, you, you make your, you shoot your shot and, uh, that wasn't a good one. Um, but you know, there are other things going on in other places and, uh, you still, they did the thing they went for it. They went for it and went for it. And, uh, there's a hangover associated with that, uh, you know, a salary cap hangover associated with that, whether you win or lose, uh, Luckily, they did win one. So, uh, you know, I have no regrets. I think, uh, you know, <laughs> I just love the prospects are for poor people. I think that might be mine. <laughs> that, that's not mine. That's from a, a baseball dude well, I on like Twitter. It. I, I forget like, uh, who it was. I, but, I like yeah. it a lot. Um, you know, I think there are a couple in there after they won, right? You got Burkowski, Vrana, Siegenthaler. It's all those guys that it almost feels like the next wave was traded out. Uh, I mean, th th those were all salary cap management moves. So it became, were, was the organization too attached to the big name guys, to all of the big name guys, you know, could some of them have been moved on. Could a spot have been opened up for McMichael a couple of years on. I don't know if he would have been ready then, but were there other things they could have done to kind of extend this, this, this drive? And it's, it's very easy in situations like this to play Monday morning quarterback, um, especially after they won the cup, you know, all the deals before the cup made a lot. I mean, obviously they all made sense because they ended up working out in the end. Um, but in, in in those few years after, should the Caps have continued to go in for that win? And it's tough to know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Burkowski makes five and a half million bucks. I mean, how are they going to fit that in? Or you want him to trade Kuznetsov after he? 
killed Pittsburgh and won a cup for him? No. You know, it, okay. It, what was Burakovsky <laughs> on, though, when they traded him, though? I think that's the, you know, because they, I don't remember what his last deal was before this. Right, right. Uh, it was $3 million a year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or th- it looks like three and a quarter, three, three and a quarter, something like that. Um, and then he was 4.9 uh, in t- 2020, 2021. Yeah. I mean, he, salaries go up. Good players start costing more. It's it just, they're, they're casualties of this thing. You know, you can... Uh, you can tell me who you would have gotten rid of and uh, made it work, but they, they obviously prioritized they, keeping uh, that core together yeah. of uh, Nick and Alex and then Kuzi and Osh. Um, and, Carlson. you know, but they, yeah. they let, yeah, but they let Ed Carlson so far has provided value on that contract, but, you know, they let, Braden Holpe walk. They let uh, Jay Beagle go. They they it wasn't just pure uh, yep. you know nostalgia fueled. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for your service contracts that they were handing out. Um, there was a plan, and you know sometimes those plans work out better than others. Yeah, no, you're right. I think the only one that's really a very clear what was the Siegenthaler deal because um, he just fell out of favor <clears throat> so fast, and it, it really was yeah. uh, like a flip of a switch. It felt like. Yeah, and they wanted to play Chara, so yeah. Yep. I mean, it, it was basically it basically. I mean, maybe I'm misreading it, but to me, it looked like they chose Chara over Siegenthaler, which maybe a little short sighted. One could definitely could definitely argue. <laughs> yes, John, we're at about 45 minutes. Is there a you know, anything else you want to talk about before we let, let our listeners get on with their uh, with their day? I mean, they're probably all going to be getting geared up for the United States-Netherlands game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, go USA. Um, I, I hope that they can uh, get some goals and saves and wins. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can beat those orange fuckers. Uh, Virgil van Dyke's going down hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, it's I've really enjoyed watching it. Um, having two kids now, um, I've found myself watching a lot more soccer because I can watch it at you know during in the mornings, right? In yeah. the mornings over the weekend when the kids are up, we can like I can have it on in the background. It's a lot easier than watching those those late hockey games when the uh, when the kid you know I'm putting my daughter down or something like that. And then, then I think I was telling you this the other day. I, 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 put on my phone to start streaming the game and the caps are down two goals. It makes it yep. a little less uh, exciting to go turn the game on. So, um, yeah. well, John, I appreciate you taking the time. It's been too long. Uh, I, I hope we're back talking about some great stuff soon. Um, ho- hopefully talking about how the capitals are, are back and healthy again. Yeah, we can. And, and we can do a soccer, uh, podcast too. We can do Japer's pitch. Um, <laughs> it, it'll be all football all the time. And uh, it may be more interesting to talk about than the Washington Capitals. <laughs> you know, it, don't don't tempt me. It, it, could, <laughs> it could be fun. Uh, it could be. You know, we could start recording it early in the mornings. But you know what? We'll we'll, we'll save that one for later. Uh, on behalf of myself and JP, thank you for listening to this episode of Japers Drink Radio. As always, please follow us on Twitter as long as that is still operational. Um, in case it's not. Just go check out japersrink.com, and you should do that anyway. Uh, comment on 
on, on, on anything, and you'll be shocked how quickly one of us can arrive. So thanks again for listening to this episode of Japers Drink Radio.